Welcome to the Equipping You in Grace podcast, hosted by Dave Jenkins. The Equipping You in Grace podcast is a podcast about helping Christians develop a biblical worldview in a conversational tone about issues inside and outside the church. Now, for today's episode, let's join our host, Dave Jenkins. Welcome back, guys, to the Cooking and Grace podcast. My name is Dave, and I'm the host for this podcast. And with me today, I have my friend Jonathan Holmes. Jonathan, welcome back, brother. Well, thanks so much for having me, Dave. It's a pleasure to be back. Yeah, I think it's been, I think you had your couples counseling book. Yeah. Like, was that like a year or two ago, or was it longer? Oh, man. <laughs> I, feel, I feel like it feels like longer than that, but I, I think probably everybody feels like that over the past year or so. For sure. For yeah. sure. Well, it's good to have you back and good to chat with you, man. Um, Thank you. Can you uh, just catch us up on what's been happening in your life, marriage, ministry, and you know those uh, kind of things, any ministry projects that you're working on you want to tell us about? Well, thanks so much for asking. I, I would say life and family. I just have a lot to be grateful for and thankful for. My uh, four kids are all in school right now and, and doing well. We're looking forward to the Thanksgiving break ahead of us. Uh, ministry at both Parkside and Fieldstone are going well. There's a lot of need. I think probably like a lot of churches or other counseling centers are recognizing. And so we're just really seeking to rely on the Lord's strength to, to meet those needs in his timing and his strength, not in our own. And in terms of ministry projects, not not too much going going on between now and the end of the year, maybe a few uh, speaking engagements here and there, but really trying to spend the balance of the year, trying to get the word out about um, these two books that we're going to talk about. Wonderful, brother. Wonderful. Well, I know t- the, in this episode, guys, we're going to talk about the first book here, and I'm going to tell you what that is. And then um, on Wednesday of this week, we're going to talk about uh, the other book. So uh, th- today, let's talk a little bit about uh, Rescue Plan, Charting a Course to your rest- store prisoners of pornography that you wrote with Deepak. Um, why'd you guys want to write this book and how do you hope it'll be received? Yeah, I think that the original vision when we started off writing the book, just recognizing that there are other books out there on this topic, but I think that the books were maybe oriented a little bit more towards counselors or paraprofessionals or people that were maybe in a position of, let's say, authority or influence, like a mentor and we really wanted a book that was accessible for just everyday helpers, roommates, spouses, friends, Bible study facilitators or leaders or life group or community group leaders. We we wanted a resource that really was aimed at every man type ministry or every woman type ministry. And so I hope, we both hope that that really comes out in both books, that the content is accessible and practical and usable for um for whoever is walking alongside or coming alongside the struggler. Yeah, I think they're very good. And and you guys even frame it that way. You know, this book is more like for a disciple or not yeah. that somebody couldn't read it and be helped uh, if they're right. struggling. And you guys even make that clear too, which I appreciate. So yes. it's really, yes. really, 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 really helpful. Well, brother, uh, this is a big question that we're going to talk about, but how does pornography distort sex as defined in the Bible? Right. We, we talk a lot about in the book and then the there's also, I think, an appendice uh, at the back of the book as well that discusses it. But pornography does distort sex, and it does so at a number of levels. I think that when we think about God's design and purpose for sex, uh, you know, some of the words that come to mind are words like covenant and commitment and purpose. And 
God's purpose for sex is that it is to be, it's to be between a man and a woman in the context of a marriage covenant or a marriage relationship. And uh, pornography fundamentally distorts and destroys that. It takes sex outside of a covenant relationship and makes it between you and an image or a video or someone on the other side of a chat room. And uh, sex in pornography is fundamentally about you. It's about your desires and your pleasure. And I think in so many ways, then pornography plays along with just our current cultural narrative, which is squarely aimed at, hey, it's all about you. It's about your happiness, your thriving. And that's just not, not what we see in scripture. Um, sex is, is ultimately designed to glorify the Lord. And uh, that's, that happens uh, when it takes place between a man and a woman in the context of marriage. And so pornography chips away at God's design for sex, I think, in a lot of different ways. But that's one of the primary ways I think about it. Yeah, that's that's really good, because I think I think you and I have talked about at some point over email about about this. And I think I sent you an article or something maybe when you were writing it. Mm -hmm. and, and my concern with most of the books is that we don't talk about it. We don't set that foundation in biblical gender. Right. Roles, right. Um, in that, and, and that's so important because we're talking about a man is a man and a woman mm -hmm. is a woman. And mm -hmm. so why wouldn't we be clear there's differences and uh between us and those differences are god given as, as you said and and um so yeah i i think that that's 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 got to be the starting point really and absolutely does that. yeah yeah so, i think in you know any conversation about sex has to begin with what's good and right in terms of how god designed it, it you know you really can't talk about the misuses of it unless you know what it was designed for um, and so we we try to set that foundation. And again, for some people, that might be familiar territory, but for some people, it might not be, uh, especially in terms of how our culture has tutored and trained us and brought us up. That might that might not be familiar territory for them. Yeah. And I think it's good. I think it's good, even if even if people are familiar with it, just okay. to see it in that context, because it's not, you know, talked about that way. And and I, I appreciate the fact that you talked about selfishness, because, you know, when when I came out of a, a being enslaved to pornography now almost 20 years ago and that's where it convicted me i started thinking about you know here i am a christian leader and these kind of things and you know wow then i started thinking that's really really selfish and right. you know it's that's what convict that's what the holy spirit used to convict me and and so you know i really appreciate the, that um that you, you saying that because i think that that's mm -hmm. spot on yeah yeah. What are the what are the four A's that you guys discuss in the book? Right. It's a good question. When people, you know, maybe they see the title, it says rescue plan. You're like, OK, well, tell us what is this? What is this plan that you're talking about? And the plan is you might think of about it like a plan or a framework. But within that framework, we give four different A's. We talk about access, anonymity, atheism and appetite. And you can kind of think of the four words as maybe four different categories to think about one's struggle with pornography, how one engages with it. And, you know, for instance, you know, let's talk about access. Uh, when we're thinking about our struggle with pornography, one of the one of the components that we need to talk about in terms of how to fight this battle, how to how to um, battle this sin is we have to talk about access, right? Where where is this access to pornography coming from and how do we address it? And, and how do we understand appetite, right? How do we understand our own desires, right? God gives us desires and those desires can be good, but as Calvin says, those desires can quickly become disordered. And, and we wanna try to do a good job at explaining each of those uh, different A's um, 
and thinking through how when we're trying to grow in our struggle with pornography, we don't want to leave any of those out. And sometimes I think one of the reasons why uh, the struggle with pornography is so difficult is maybe we have two of the four or we have maybe even three of the four, but I'm not even saying that there might not be other areas that we could address, but these are four really key areas that I think need to be addressed in the struggler's life to be able to help them make progress and growth and godliness. Amen. I think one of the biggest areas where, you know, I appreciate like Garrett's book, uh, Garrett Kell and your yeah. guys' book yeah. is is the access piece. I think that that oh, is yeah. just so when I counsel guys or I'm working with guys, I, I just see that as like a huge issue, especially like social media in particular, specifically like Instagram is such a mm-hmm big big thing and and it's like you know i've told guys you just have to maybe you have to delete your account um for your for the sake of your marriage and and ministry and yes you know and not that that's uh i always tell people you know this is a i need you to understand that this is a band-aid you know that we're taking to but it's also a tool it's it's removing the access point it's removing you know the then we can get to the the triggers and the the pressure points that cause it you know and uh so yeah maybe no it's that bit yeah yeah it's it's a good point, Dave. And I, I think sometimes we go to like one of two extremes. Either we talk about some really practical things like, hey, cutting off access and um, we can ignore the heart. And then there are other times I think we can offer really good spiritual solutions and directives, talking about the heart, trying to target that, but then leave out some practical issues about accountability and access. And, you know, hey, maybe you need to deactivate the Instagram account or the Snapchat account or whatever it might be. And each of those then, you know, have strengths in and of themselves, but they really are better together. I think when we pair what I would say is a more holistic approach of, yeah, you know what, we do need accountability and we need to address access, but we also have to address your heart, right? And that's kind of what that atheism piece is there. And uh, we tried to obviously get everything alliterated. So that idea of atheism is just a lot of times in that struggle the person who's most absent is God, right? We forget about who God is, his presence, his love for us, his care for us. And so we seek after other gods in those moments to fulfill our desires. And so again, those four A's will get unpacked throughout the book. We'll use them in different ways and discussion questions and questions for reflection at the end of every chapter to kind of just help you think through really at every stage of life that we discuss, you know, how does this, how does this issue get addressed? Um, um, in the individual's life. Yeah, that's really good. Well, brother, um, <laughs> this one is, this one is, uh, controversial at best, you know, when we, when we, what we're going to talk about next and, and it's, but it's so important because it it gets to the heart of, of selfishness. Um, and we don't, we don't talk about it enough. And if you guys, I know you guys don't know what I'm already going to ask, so, (laughs) you know, but I want to frame it this way as we start, because you're going to be like, Whoa, you guys are going there. Okay. So let's go. Um, you know, why, why should Christians not masturbate? Yeah. Well, Dave, let me give you a little bit of context too, and it'll be helpful, I think, to you and your listeners. Originally, uh, when Deepak and I were writing this, the the masturbation piece, um, we we thought, let's just, it'll be like an appendix. You know, it'll just be something we kind of send people to at various points in the book. And as we were writing, it just, it really expanded. And um, in working with the editors and the publishers, we just realized, like you said, a lot of people don't talk about it. And especially in relationship to pornography, they 
they're, they're two topics that, that need to be discussed because they are so closely related. And we need good Christian teaching on this because I do think there is a lot of confusion. I would say not only culturally, where I would say it's de facto accepted, viewed as normal, and, and even heralded in, in many quarters, but within a Christian context, I would say there's an increasing sense of confusion as well. And what we try to do in that chapter is we try to lay out some of the arguments that people, real everyday counselees have told us about masturbation that would be uh, more permissive and progressive in terms of, yeah, it's not a big deal, right? It's just a part of life. God's okay with it. Um and we really try to push back against that. And what we do is we ground it not in some puritanical or Victorian or prudish attitude towards sex of like, well, we just don't want people having fun. But we try to ground it again in God's design for sex. If God's design for sex is to be mutually edifying and satisfying within a relationship between a man and a woman, masturbation does not fit that framework. And so because it doesn't fit that framework of God's design, it's not God's design for us. And I know that probably makes uh, us sound like old, you know, old fashioned, old fogies or antiquated in our beliefs. But it is one of those things, I think, that does set us apart in our faith, that there are certain things about our Christian faith and the things that we're called to that might seem hard and even crazy, right, to the world. Like the world hears that and they're like, you're absolutely nuts. There's nothing wrong with this. But that I think God's way ultimately um, God's way is God's it, God's way is ultimately for our good and uh, God's best design I think ultimately is for our good yeah and I appreciate how you guys do it it's not you know over the top it's not you know oh wow look you know if you do this you're the worst person in the world right it's just right. it's just you're lovingly and and but truthfully you know as the Bible tells us grace and truth go together uh telling people about what this is and why as a Christian you according to God's word shouldn't you know engage in 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 masturbation and you know uh it, it's <laughs> most of the guys that i have worked with over the years they know that they shouldn't but they can't stop right um, you right. know so i i don't think i've encountered off the top of my head here i don't think i've ever encountered a guy um in counseling him and this issue uh that has ever said oh well i think that um masturbation is okay and or, or anything like that you know in the church they just they don't know um, and like right. you so beautifully said, you know, that that's actually a better argument to make about the design of the of the sexist, because that, again, emphasizes who we are. You know, God gave us that yeah. gift and to steward. And it's a matter of stewardship. Our gender is a matter of stewardship. Mm -hmm. um, we even need to We even need to frame it. We even need to talk about it better about that and that, I think, as well. You know, just just because people are so confused about these things and and we just have to sometimes i'm like wow do i really have to spell i think in my head and to my wife i'm like do i really have to spell this out yes you really have to spell it out because people are so people are so confused and um you know it's it's you know to put it put it frankly it's self-gratification um, it is. And, it is. And, and when we understand that i mean what is the purpose of sex it's between to be between one man and one woman um and 
for for life under God. And you know, that's a beautiful, that's a beautiful thing. So, you know, if I look at that Instagram picture or or whatever it is, you know, I'm I'm not honoring and loving my wife. And what is that a reflection of? Paul tells us that's a reflection of our view of Christ ultimately. And right. that should that should horrify us. It should it should break us uh, uh deep inside, you know, because it just shows how broken we are yeah. by and impacted by you know the remaining indwelling sin that we have. So. Right. And, and Dave, I'm sure this has been your experience too, as you've come alongside other men who struggle, but I rarely hear a guy talk to me about masturbation and say, you know what, this, this helps me in my walk with the Lord. I feel really good after I masturbate. Like I've never heard that. If anything, it's people feel defeated. They feel guilty. They feel ashamed. They feel embarrassed. They're weary. And so if something is so good and so right for us, why would it produce and leave us in a state like that if that if that's morally okay? And so that's one of the arguments we try to make too, is just in the aftermath of masturbation, most people more often than not are left feeling less fulfilled. And that in so many ways is really the, the promise and appeal of sin is listen, if you buy into this, you know, you're gonna feel so good about it, but Satan is so good at being a deceiver and a manipulator. And so he lures us away through the promise of, hey, here's pleasure on your timetable whenever you want. But in the end, I find guys and, and women included, and we talk about that, uh, yeah. very disillusioned when it comes to masturbation, for sure. Yeah. I mean, I know when, you know, when I was enslaved to pornography, you know, I was doing I was masturbating and I, like you just said, so, well, I was, I was defeated. I felt defeated, yeah. you know, more, more so I felt disgusted that I had looked at pornography, but I felt yeah. defeated and deflated yeah. because I had, yeah. you know, masturbated and, and, you know, that's how, you know, many men feel, you know, they, they don't feel, they feel, you know, oh, well, they feel incredible shame and, and guilt uh, about looking at the pornography afterwards, but they, they feel even worse about the masturbating. And, you know, that's why, you, you know, it's easy to say, don't do that. Just, what's wrong with you people like rc sprawl says what's wrong with you people but 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 it's like we have to get we have to get if we're going to help them you know and we have to like you said so well you have to help the whole person you have to you know i know we're gonna we're not going to get into the asking questions we'll, we'll talk about that in the next episode but i'll just mention that real quickly you have to ask lots of questions and dig into to people's lives and and figure out what's what's really happening and why um and I think that I think that kind of speaks a little bit to talking about the issue of of masturbation, you know, and how the church can can help that. What do you think? Yeah, no, I, you know, I think even in talking about it here on a podcast like this helps to bring the topic out into the light. And I think about what Paul, you know, says in Ephesians five. He says, you know, we should expose the unfruitful deeds of darkness with light. And so, bringing some of these topics out into the open, asking people what their understanding is. You know, again, a lot of Christians don't really have a working theology of is something like this morally okay is it godly can i do it without lust and um those types of questions you know we don't want to struggle with on our own we want to get solid biblical counsel and teaching on and so i think one of the ways that christians can help address this issue is by asking good questions listening um, providing a whole person approach to masturbation i think that we try to do that in the book of it's more than just, hey, stop it, knock it off, take a cold shower, stop doing this. But there are some physiological components that attend masturbation that we have to deal with, that there are certain ways that the pleasure centers of our brain get used to a certain level of stimulation that over time we need more and more of. And it's difficult to kind of retrain our brains 
And that's something that, you know, scientific research is, is giving testimony to. That's not even, you know, not, not even something that, that we're saying, but something that I would say even the world is beginning to recognize that pornography and masturbation are having negative effects on people. Um, but also coupling that with spiritual disciplines and community and relationships and just realizing that uh, there's not a one-size-fits-all approach to masturbation of, hey, knock it off, it's gross, you're a pervert, or start doing it. But it's it's really going to be a variety of different things, I think, that ultimately helps people see freedom and growth in this area. Yeah, that's that's really, really good. Because it's not it's not like it, it's not just, OK, like you said, just just quit it. Just stop it. Okay. It's we have to get we have to get to the heart. We have to understand we have yeah. to, you know, not only cut off access, as you said so well, but get to the fact that it, you're in the presence of God no matter what. You know, wherever right. you are, if you're in the bathroom, if you're in your office, if you're wherever you are, I mean, God is present and and he sees it and and he's, you know, writing down the record of of all your deeds. And, and you know, that that should sober you. <laughs> it yes. really should um, uh, on, on all across the board. If you if you really understand that, that will that will humble you and and sober you and uh you know, th- that's something that I constantly uh, I remind a lot of guys about is, hey, God is there with you. you know, mm. he, he knows and he's there. He's even there with you now uh, as you struggle or, you know, as you're in that wallowing in your guilt and shame, he's there and you know yeah. he's bringing conviction. And, you know, that's that hurts. Um, you know, there's consequences. There's I know I know when. You know, it's coming out of this, it, especially, uh, you know, the idea of just bouncing your eyes and and those kind of things. And I just I mean, it's a tool, right? It's a tool. It's something in your toolkit that can help. But it doesn't really get to the issue. It doesn't. You have to think about, like you said, the spiritual disciplines. You have to think about be thinking about scripture and, you know, not just okay, well, I'm going to look away or I'm not going to be in an elevator with a woman um, or, yeah. or even so those, those can be helpful things, but they ultimately don't deal with the heart. They don't, you know, mm-hmm. they kind of give a, give a bandaid approach and you have to rip off the bandaid and go all in, you know, it's like, what do we tell an alcoholic? Oh, just stop drinking alcohol. Right. Well, that's a, that's, that's a good start, you know, but then you got to get to the other, other aspects of, of, the alcohol, the, the, the enslavement, the, the sin issue and point them to point them to Christ. And, and, um, you know, that requires getting into people's lives and finding out what's happening and, and so, so much more as, as you know, well, and we both know. So. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Yeah. But brother, um, what are, what are, you know, I think one thing that we probably don't talk about enough is, is about how women struggle with pornography. Yeah. And I think that's a, I think that's a significant issue. Like, you know, I'm not going to throw my wife under the bus and she wouldn't mind me saying this, but you know, one time she struggled with, you know, um, reading romantic novels and she had to repent of that because it, it, it was, it was impacting her, her ability, you know, to, this is before we got married, mm-hmm. but just, just like, you know, it's, it's like can't porn for women, romantic novels, and it just entices and leads women um, in, in the wrong direction to into a fantasy world, which is what pornography is. So maybe you want to talk about how this, how pornography affects women. Yeah. Well, well David, is something that we felt would, would be a contribution and a benefit to the overall dialogue, because 
I think there is a very false assumption and narrative that this is not an issue that affects women, but statistically speaking, uh, pornography is definitely an issue that women face. And just for all of your listeners and even our potential readers to know, uh, there's a couple of chapters in here that directly relate to women and pornography. And you might think like, well, why are two guys writing chapters on women and porn like that just does not seem to make sense. And just would want people to know we actually had over 20 women help us contribute to this chapter, provide research, anecdotes, um, and and really help put together the bulk of this content. And we recognize them in the acknowledgments. And so if there's any concern about any of your listeners who are like, well, this is just a guy's perspective on women's porn, so it's going to be completely skewed. No, we we really tried to, to take into account and get solid feedback from our sisters in Christ. And what we came away with is, yeah, this is an issue that women struggle with, not just with erotic literature, um, not just softcore porn, but there are women who struggle with uh, I would say similar types of pornography as as guys do. Um, they're they're watching videos, they're in chat rooms, they're engaged in in, in various aspects of uh, the pornographic industry that just are not talked about commonly. And uh, one of the themes that came up a lot um, in our discussions with women is just the issue of shame. And that for women, this is a very shameful area for them. I think for a variety of reasons, which we try to talk about in the book, um, you know, w- one thing in particular, just, you know, there's a narrative sometimes that that women aren't as sexual as men, that they don't want to have sex as much as men, or they don't like sex as much as men. And so there are many women out there who do have a strong sex drive and that that can actually feel shameful to them because of teaching that they've received in the church. And so what we try to do in rescue plans, we try to talk about the similarities, but all the also the differences between men and women in terms of how they approach porn. And we talk about a few different areas. Areas. We talk about personal relationships, possession, power, pairing, and parenting. And I, we don't have time to go into all of those, but just would encourage you, you know, look into the book because I think that you will be helped. We try to give some really practical help too in terms of how to address some of these issues with women. Yeah, I think that's really good. And I'm I'm so thankful that you guys uh, took the time to work through that and also get feedback from women. That's that's very wise. So thank you for your work there. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you know, one of the things I think that we struggle with, especially in the church, is speaking to singles and really yeah. helping them, um, you know, understand, hey, what is my, not only my place in the church, right, but then how do I engage as a, as a single person in a, you know, mm-hmm. in a sexualized culture where, you know, you see it, at, you see it not only on the internet, but at the grocery store and, and everything, and they're just inundated with it. So, so how can the church help singles in, in this area? Right. It's, uh, you know, you and I both know the church could do a lot better when it comes to caring for, addressing, making space for single people within the church in a in an effort, I think in some ways, a well-meaning effort to protect marriage. Sometimes we might idolize it to the uh, to the detriment of our single brothers and sisters, our divorced brothers and sisters, widowed brothers and sisters. And so uh, pornography is definitely something that that single people struggle with. And so we discuss that. We talk about that. I would say, one again, coming back to God's original design, we talk about sex. Sex is not, not the ultimate thing that we're to pursue in life. And so for a single person where culturally sex is the most important aspect of who you are, how you identify and you know, for a single, that can be an overwhelming and somewhat crushing uh, cultural narrative to have to deal with. Because as a single person, 
in a Christian context, what do you do with that if you believe and are convicted that marriage, uh, that that sex is uh, between uh, a man and a woman in the context of marriage? And so what that can do is it can push singles underground when it comes to pornography. Um, And so we try to just offer some practical help. We talk about encouraging honesty and humility. Um, I would say to some degree, I would imagine that for most single people, this is an area that um, might just be assumed that they struggle with because of their singleness. And we would want to just caution helpers and disciplers, you know, don't assume, but ask questions. Um, you know, don't just assume because they are single that this is something that they're struggling with, even though many single people do struggle with it. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, that's really good. And just maybe even, maybe even befriend a a single person as as a married couple and bring them in and, and then they can see, Hey, look, this is, you know, that's Titus too, you know, and, and uh, those types of things. Um, So yeah, that, that could be just, just one very practical way that you can help a single person to see what, you know, purity looks like and, and uh, just provide a resource for, for, you know, their questions about marriage or relationships yeah. or yeah. what they should, what they should do. And this, you know, kind of even touches on dating, you know, that, is that they need help with that too, you know, and, um, you know, so anyway, yeah. how, uh, how can we help, you know, young, young people today, young men and, and young women, um, you know, with regards to this issue with purity and, and those things. Mm-hmm. And I think that this, this, yeah, singles are a big issue, but you know, young young people are just getting devastated. Um, I, I can't even imagine. Um, you know, I graduated. I don't know when you graduated. I graduated in two thousand from high school, so it's been twenty one years, and it, I've just watched and wow, the the access, the ability to get it, obviously, is increased. Um, you know, uh, I was told even in high school, you can have whatever you want, whatever that was. Yeah. You know, and and yeah. you know. The the so the level of access is is huge. So how can how can we help them? Yeah. Well, Dave, we must not be too far apart in age because I graduated in two thousand one. So you're right. We uh yeah. we definitely grew up in a different time period. I would say you know in the chapter that um, you're referencing in Rescue Plan, we do try to give some practical help regarding teens and children. It. It just is absolutely heartbreaking, Dave, to hear and to read some of the stories about the struggles that teens and children are having. Um, One of the things that we talk about is um, accidental exposure. A lot of times a teen or a child's first exposure to pornography will be through a parent or will be through a a loved one, Uh, maybe accessing a site in an incognito browser that the dad thought that he had closed out or maybe discovering something that um, maybe discovering a novel or a magazine that uh, the parent's mother has had by her nightstand. So we do discuss that. What do we do when children are accidentally exposed to pornography? Um, And then we also talk about when children are directly accessing pornography. And again, one of the themes that, you know, we've already talked about is that we want those moments to be opportunities for education and conversation and ultimately pointing them to Christ. Uh, what we don't want is to communicate shame or to shut down conversation or to communicate something that's not true. Um, and, and so before, uh, I think maybe an older style of parenting would have been more reactionary, you know, like you find out your son or your daughter or your teen is looking at porn and it's, you know, you're grounded, we're taking away the phone, we're removing privileges. And again, what you've already mentioned earlier, Dave, not really addressing the heart not really addressing like, well, what what ensnared you about this? What was enticing? And you can talk to us about these things. I, I think that we want to help parents grow in that area. 
And honestly, Dave, I also think it's a it's an area where parents have done a pretty poor job on the proactive side of just teaching positively um, a biblical vision of sex. And there's a lot of good resources that we try to recommend um, in the book uh, towards this. And I think it is becoming a little bit more discussed, um, just even in good Christian literature. But, um, you know, we definitely want to try to help equip parents proactively for that moment, not if it happens, but more likely than not when it happens. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm not a parent, but I can just say like as somebody who who struggled, I think just being that safe person, you know, when I when I talk yeah. about a safe person, I'm yes. talking about as a Christian being in the word and prayer, yeah. confessing your sin, keeping short accounts with God, being in local church accountability. And if you're that kind of person, I, I think that your kid will, you know, he you'll have a better chance of your kid probably coming to you yeah. and sharing yeah. with you and then doing what you just said. It, is so vital because it, it, they'll shut down and then they won't open up, you know, and then, and then it'll just keep going on and on and on. And, and so really if they do come to you or, or I would say if somebody comes to you and shares biggest thing, biggest thing, just sit there, zip your lip, be quiet, listen, yeah. um, and don't offer, don't offer any, any kind of judgment. Just, just, yes. you know, maybe just say, sorry, you know, I'm so sorry to hear that. And, you know, really enter into their into their world and their space. And yeah, um, I think those Dave, those kind of conversations are I think the Lord will honor those and use those later on in life. You know, that's gonna help connect the parent to the child and encourage conversation, not shut it down. Yeah. Well, I can tell you, I can tell you when when I when I told, you know, it wasn't my parents, um, it was it was a pastor. Um, you know, I was, I was involved in a campus ministry and, you know, I got removed that, that at the time felt like a judgment, <laughs> you know, it really hurt. Yes, um, yeah. it, but, but I realized later years, about maybe a decade later, that actually was a mercy. You know, he was, he was being merciful. I, I didn't submit to that process. And it took me several years later to, you know, that was pride. Um, so, so if you do share, get ready for the of the consequences of what you've what you've done it's like you know we we forget you know we we talk about david as you know that great example when nathan confronted him he didn't only give him the law but he also gave him grace and 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 that's the kind of approach that you know we we need in in this is it's not yeah. just we're telling somebody that you've sinned well that's true but also <laughs> we have to follow it with grace and 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 we have to be you know, truthful and gracious, gracious as well. And, and um, so, yeah, I think that's. Amen. Amen. Really good. Yeah. You know, married couples, uh, that's, that's a, we could probably just talk about that um, <laughs> on the whole, for like a whole episode, but oh, some, yeah. What, what's some, you know, kind of, what's some same kind of things? How can we come alongside married couples? Yeah. I mean, again, it's a it's a sadness that it is such an epidemic, especially in Christian marriages, something that I'm hearing more and more, you know, in marriage counseling, which I do. That's the majority of what I do is just couples using porn and using it quite freely in their marriage and viewing porn as a way for uh, sexual arousal with one another, using it, you know, in terms of role plays or ideas and um Again, I feel like 20 years ago, like if somebody had asked us that question, we would have thought like, absolutely not. Like, you know, given what we know to be true about scripture, but I am surprised at how many Christian couples ask me about the use of pornography in the bedroom as if it were something morally neutral. And so um, 
you know, again, we're very clear in the book, we don't believe that pornography should play a role uh, in the bedroom for a married couple, but unfortunately it often does. And I would say one of the number one things that we want to communicate is that sometimes the impetus and the driving force once porn's been discovered in a marriage as a wife or a husband, uh, you know, wants the husband or the wife to stop looking at porn. They want to be sure that that's been eradicated. But what we talk first and primarily about is, no, the husband and the wife, the husband or the wife, they first have to reconcile and repent before the Lord. That is the number one priority. Uh, before we talk about being porn free, we want to talk about being reconciled to God. And that's something that some, for some spouses, you know, they want, I would say, kind of the cart before the horse. No, I just want my husband to stop looking at porn. Well, that's not going to happen if they've not confessed and repented and been restored in their relationship with God. Amen, brother. Well, where can people go to find out more about you online on social media or otherwise, brother? Uh, you know, they could they could find me on Facebook. Uh, I have a I have a an author page there, uh, Jonathan D. Holmes, where I include different updates about uh, you know podcast interviews like this or different things that um, different things that I'm writing or where I'm going to be traveling. Uh, they can also visit our website at fieldstonecounseling.org. And uh, Fieldstone Counseling is the counseling center that I have the privilege of running. And uh, on my bio page, I have different speaking engagements and different um, publications that I've written. And uh, so people can always contact or catch up with me in some of those venues. Excellent. Well, just as we wrap up uh, this this interview today on this book, uh, can you give us a few takeaways, brother? Yeah, you know, my my encouragement for for all of the listeners who are listening to this podcast, you know, that that faithfully tune in week after week is just allow yourself humbly to be used by the Lord in in your brothers and sisters lives, right? Wherever the Lord has you, uh, he's equipped you for this work. Uh, I think that when you read through this book and you uh, look over some of the some of the practical points as well as some of the, the the structure and the framework, this is something that that God has equipped you to do through His Word. And I just pray that the Lord would open up opportunities and pathways for you to get involved in a struggler's life and to together. Uh, walk in holiness and godliness to together. Amen, brother. Well, guys, we've been talking today, uh, part one of our conversation with Jonathan Holmes. He is the one of the authors with Deepak Raju of Rescue Plan, charting a course to restore prisoners of pornography. Jonathan, uh, thank you so much for your time. Thank you, Dave. Thank you for listening to the Equipping You in Grace podcast. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe, rate us on the app, and share this with your friends and family on social media. If you want to find us on social media, you can find us on Twitter at Servants of Grace, on Instagram at Servants of Grace, or by searching at Servants of Grace on Facebook. You can also find this episode and many others like it on the front page of our website, servantsofgrace.org.